Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In this episode, I'm chatting with my new friend, Cynthia Dyke, a TBI survivor from Canada. She's bringing all the positive vibes while baking her way through recovery. Eh? Get it? Because she's from Canada. Boom! Metro done! Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are... The, the Neuro Nerds. Yes! That was on time! I feel pretty good about that. The Neural Nerds Podcast has over 200 episodes and counting, so if you're new to the show, you may not know where to begin. That's why we created an episode tour. We'll guide you through some of our favorite episodes and give you a taste of what our show is all about. Sign up for the tour at newsletter.theneuralnerds.com forward slash tour, or find the link in our show notes. We hope you enjoy the tour. Welcome to the Neural Nerds! Running theme every single week. Very special episode with me from way over yonder in um what do I call Canada? I call Canada like strange America. <laughs> my my new friend Cynthia. What's up, Cynthia? How are you? What's up, Joe? So nice to meet you. Yeah, like this is the first time like we're meeting meeting. True. Right? Like we've chatted back and forth, but this is the first time we're actually like kind of in person. Yeah. Not like really, but like I get to see you. You're on it a computer. It feels like it way more. It does, doesn't it? Okay, so it's we're in, you know, post-pandemic life, right? So we got used to forever now conversing on, like, audio apps. It's true. And, and text messaging, messaging back and forth. So it's weird to actually see somebody's face. It's nice to know that I'm not being catfished by two kids in a trench coat. It's true. I'm a real person. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a woman, you know, I'm my age also <laughs> yeah that, that's that's true you're not like a a, a 75 year old man which is it, that's i'm that's good that's good that i know that now for sure mm-hmm. so speaking of our amazing community how did you become part of this incredible community yeah i had a tbi in 2015 i feel like it's kind of a typical story and that lots of people that have had a tbi had theirs in a motor vehicle accident i was the passenger of a motor vehicle accident in 2015 It was sort of a friend's girlfriend driving at the time. A group of my friends, quite a big group, were all going camping together. And we were sort of trying to figure out cars and logistics since we can only have so many cars per camping site. And just so happened, I got in the car with someone I didn't know terribly well. I unfortunately didn't know she just got her license. The things you don't ask and think about when you're 23, oh, right? Why, why would you ask that, though? You why know? would you think like, about that? Wow. So I kind of like I, I sort of hate telling the story of the motor vehicle accident I was in mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, because I have absolutely no memory of the accident. I just mostly that day is totally gone from my memory. Right. And number two, what I've been told that 
happened in the accident it sounds like a really really lame accident which makes me feel really bad about my injury (laughs) because i've had such a terrible injury from a really dumb accident right well okay what made it dumb and that before you say that is it a sensitive subject or can i laugh because you said it was dumb you can most definitely laugh because I think it's ridiculous. I obviously have had a battle of anger with this whole situation and with the driver. It's been a really long journey sort of getting over that. But yeah, no, now it's just a part of my story and it's, it is kind of funny sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) So, so so what what happened? I'm so curious. So we're on a country road because we're going camping, right? I don't know. She's a brand new driver. I don't know what she's done, what she hasn't done. This is the story I've been told. She gets on the dirt curb a little bit too much. Then she overcorrects. In overcorrecting, she starts to go on the other lane, the oncoming traffic lane. There's an oncoming car. She gets scared of that oncoming car. Then she overcorrects again. And we tumble into the very deep ditch because we were on a country road. And the car flips. And I was in the back seat. We smash into a telephone pole beside me. Yeah, I guess her and my partner were both in the car. They were in the front seat and mm-hmm. they didn't sustain any injuries. And really, it was me that got the, um, yeah, the bad outcome of this. Were you wearing a seatbelt? Of course I was wearing a seatbelt. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. You know, after when I got interviewed by police, They were Mm -hmm. asking me if I was wearing my seatbelt. And it's like that for me and most people I know, that's just an automatic thing you do when you get into a car. Like I'm never in the car driving without a seatbelt. So they were asking me, how do I know I was wearing my seatbelt? That's how I know I was wearing my seatbelt. I always do it 100% of the time. So I I have never not been in a car without a seatbelt. That's how. Exactly. What a dumb question to ask someone who has been in a motor vehicle accident and sustained such injuries. It's a it's a foreign concept to me. People that don't wear seatbelts. Yeah, they're out there. I call those people weird. I just don't understand it. It's like it's a safety thing. You know, it's like going outside with no pants. It would just feel awkward. 100 percent. It would just be weird. (laughs) So your injury. I'm assuming head trauma. Uh, was it was it a severe concussion? Did it end up? Did you end up having a stroke? Like what what was the the outcome of the injury? Severe TBI. I mm-hmm. I had my skull fractured in two different places, so it was a really big impact enough to fracture my skull. Right. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. That sucks. As far back as you remember, what's the last thing you remember before it gets blurry? Yeah, the last thing I remember was, okay, yeah, we're getting ready to go camping. Uh, Mm -hmm. A friend picks us up. We meet up with other friends at another location. We decide what cars we're taking. I choose to get in the car with her. We set off. That's it. We do like just just setting off onto the road. And I think it was at least half an hour before the crash actually happened. So right. How how long were you in the car before the ambulance got to you? As far as you know, I understand a lot of this is secondhand information. For sure. So I think what I've been told by my friends is the accident happened. Everyone was very shocked. It looked very bad. Uh, someone called nine one one right away. Thankfully, there was an off-duty police officer, I believe, that was on a motorcycle a little bit behind us, maybe a few minutes behind us. And he pulled over right away and um, I guess like started working on me, like started like cutting off my seatbelt and stuff. Um, Yeah. And I guess uh, a helicopter came to air me to the hospital. It was that bad that I needed to be flown to the hospital. Wow. How long were you in the hospital? I was in a coma for just under a week. So the induced coma because it was it because your brain was swelling? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So yeah, it was the induced coma, I guess to yeah, to give your t- brain time to heal or for the yeah. swelling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you needed to not think <laughs> when your brain was swelling. Right. I didn't know you were in a coma. Yeah, so I think for 6 days and then I was in the hospital for 4 or 5 more days. Okay. Wow. Now, do you remember any of your hospital stay? Yeah. I mean, I have awful PTSD from memories from my hospital stay. 
Um, and childhood trauma and stuff re- really hasn't helped. But yeah, being in the hospital was really terrifying. Yeah. I would say some sort of scary memories that come to mind are waking up, being conscious for the first time. Right. Um, I was conscious for the first time in the middle of the night. And I really wasn't myself. I had no ego. I was just sort of a living thing that just right. became conscious. I, I didn't really have any memories or I didn't know who I was, essentially. And I didn't know where I was, right? I woke up in a strange place, terrifying. My therapist has said that's one of the number one worst fears, waking up in a strange place, not knowing what's happened. Right. It's the middle of the night and I'm not actually verbal. I'm trying to get someone's attention because I'm really scared and I know I need help. Right. But I, I don't think I was actually really verbal at that time. I think I was mm-hmm. trying to talk, but I wasn't able to talk. And so I was really just grunting. I was It was very scary. I was just grunting in the middle of the night looking for any help whatsoever. And unfortunately, it was just a really bad scenario. It was just like a nurse came and was just like, it's the middle of the night, go back to sleep. And I couldn't say anything. I didn't know what happened. I didn't know I had head trauma. I didn't know I was in a car accident. I didn't know I was in the hospital. I didn't know I was okay. For all I knew, she was my captor. And like, I could have, I was drugged and taken somewhere for all I knew in that moment, right? Wow. Okay. Look, I I complain a lot. Look, I love nurses. I love doctors, anybody in the neuro field, because they're the biggest part of our recoveries, right? Mm-hmm. Not all of them are built the same. And that what she, he or she did to you is the worst bedside manner anybody could have, especially somebody with a brain injury. It's not like you broke your leg. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like you broke your leg. It's nothing like it's a brain injury. So this is for people who have never had a brain injury. You're literally waking up in a brand new brain. You're waking up in a brand new body. So it's not just that, hey, I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to, you didn't know how to speak. Exactly. It, it, it's so this is, if it's scary just to wake up someplace that you've never been, imagine not being able to speak the language or understand whose body you're in. It, it's it's mind blowing. That is so much trauma. Yeah. It, the most terrifying thing. <laughs> I'm just mad at the nurse. It really was a series of unfortunate events for you to wake up in the middle of the night, too. You would think, though, that they're like, hey, she hasn't woken up yet. She has brain injury. Be kind. You would think that that would be something that was spoken amongst other nurses. You would think. And I I mean, I really, really don't mean to say anything bad about nurses because I do. I do. Look, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not saying anything bad about good nurses. Okay. Yeah. It's not just, hey, I got them their meds and I get, no, no, no. There's a bigger picture. You have to take care of brain injury survivors as soon as they're kind of coming to. If not, this trauma, we have already been through trauma. The trauma of what happened to you sticks and it makes everything a lot more difficult to, to, get back on track. So it's not the good nurses. It's the shitty nurses. I will attack you all day, every day. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It was really unfortunate. And that moment has been really, really wrecked for me. Very impactful for me. Right. It really still affects me to this day. Have you gone to, uh, to therapy for it? Most definitely. I've been in therapy and found a really great therapist many years ago, Good. sort of towards the beginning of my sort of recovery journey. Good. And Good. But what I want to say and what I really want to get across to other listeners, mm-hmm. too, that have had a similar kind of injury, I really want to get across that a lot of us have PTSD. And for a long time, I really, really tried to minimize all of my symptoms and all the problems that I've had from this horrific injury. My therapist many years ago sort of suggested maybe I had some mild PTSD symptoms and I really glossed over it and I really didn't want to go there. And and she got that, that I really didn't want to go there. And I really, really minimized it. And I'm finally tackling it now. And I am making so much progress it's just so hard to get to that point where you're ready to tackle it. But once right. you are ready to tackle it, like it, it, things get so much better quickly in my experience. So much better. Yeah. So much. Look, the, the thing is, if we don't want to confront these things, that's fine. 
it, it, in the moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. The faster we do it, the better it's going to be. It's basically pulling off a bandaid. Like, like it is just get it over with instead of like jumping in a cold pool, one toe at a time, dive straight in, get the shock over with, and then you're ready to enjoy mo- like the, the process of moving forward. I didn't understand what trauma was. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't. I grew up with a lot of trauma. I grew up in, a, in an abusive household, like all kinds of craziness. I always thought that PTSD was, oh, well, it's war. Soldiers go to war. They come back and they have post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was told, uh, when I was diagnosed with PTSD because of an incident that happened at the hospital, another awful bedside manner thing. Yeah. I told the, the therapist, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not. I'm not in the army. I'm not a military guy. And she was like, no, no, no. Trauma, post-traumatic stress. It's you dealt, dealt with a lot of trauma. So I was like, oh, oh, once I accepted that, it was like, OK, now how do I kind of process this stuff out? You know, you have to talk about it. It sucks. It's not fun. But pull the bandaid off. Once you do that, you're ready to live again. You know, and especially after a brain injury, this is kind of like our second chance mm-hmm. at life. Mm-hmm. So why? Look, before my brain injury, I never went to therapy, never went to the doctor, never any of that stuff. This is a second opportunity. I don't want to make the same mistakes. That being said, do you see this after your accident? Do you see this as your second chance at life? Most definitely. I really relate to what you're saying about um, it being a second chance and to not make the sort of same mistakes you feel like you made uh, with your sort of first chance. Yeah, because what do we have to lose? <laughs> Nothing. So let's let's figure it out right for the rest of the time we have here for sure. I see it as uh, it kind of gives us like a um, a new perspective, right? I remember as soon as I became a lot more mentally healthy, once I started going through therapy and processing some stuff and really not looking at the things that my brain injury took away from me, but mm-hmm. looking at the new perspective that it gave me, mm-hmm. I started looking at the things people stress out about. I started looking at how angry people are yeah. and I, it just, it blew my mind. I started thinking, why like, why are you, th- was I like that? Was I angry all the time? Was I frustrated and fixated on these things that don't really matter? So it, it's helped me kind of get rid of a lot of negativity and really focus on the beauty in life. And I surround myself with people who are very like-minded. That's why basically 99% of the people I converse with are brain injury survivors, because we understand it. Um, I've said this before. I don't know if, the, if, if you feel the same way. You can describe what it's like living with a brain injury. You can. You can be the the Pablo Picasso of words and explain exactly what it feels like. And it would still pale in comparison and nobody would truly understand what it's like living with a brain injury. That's why I think it's essential for us to converse. That's why you and I, we just met. But like, it's like, oh, yeah, I've known you forever. Like, we, we, we get it. There's a certain amount of bullshit, I think, that we kind of gloss over it was i wouldn't need to deal with that stuff we can get to like the the root of a conversation or a connection right like we don't need oh well what do you do and i don't care what energizes you what makes you happy yeah (laughs) how did you recover so well like all these things like i i i love that um do you hold a lot of animosity towards the driver now or have you kind of let that go well um i'm far down my journey of letting that go i would say although there are definitely still times when yeah i feel anger um towards them i think my therapist has really brought it to my attention that now i really only think about them and sort of feel angry when i'm feeling really hopeless about my symptoms so those times when i start thinking about her or i'm feeling very angry I need to look inside more and ask myself what I'm feeling so insecure about, what I'm feeling so hopeless about in terms of right. my injury and how it's impacting me. And then when I focus my attention back on me and self-care and trying to fix that insecurity, maybe, then, yeah, thinking about her really falls away again, as right. it sort of should. Right. So speaking of, you know, the the aftermath, uh, what were the deficits that came along with your brain injury? Yeah, well, I I had other injuries from the accident, too. Like I broke my jaw. I fractured my wrist. Can I tell you what's really funny? It's not funny, but for a split second, I completely forgot that. Oh, yeah. You were in a horrific car accident. Yeah. (laughs) Because when you talk when you talk about brain trauma, it's like, yeah, like that's my immediate focus. I completely forgot that there is an entire body attached to your brain mm-hmm, that <laughs> so, can also get injured <laughs> right so give, give give me the rundown of everything that happened to you that's pretty much it 
did. So I guess the worst trauma was my head. I mean, my skull fractured and my jaw broke. My jaw was completely broken. I had to have surgery on my jaw while I was in a coma. Uh, I kind of like that that was the case, actually, because I think if I had to go into surgery after I woke up from the brain injury, I would have been so terrified to do it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm I'm sort of glad it happened like that. Um, And then funny that you said that you were just thinking of the head trauma because in the hospital, they're really only thinking about your core. They really don't care about your extremities. So yes, we knew when I was in the hospital that my jaw was broken and that was fixed, but I went home and of course, I'm sure you know, I'm on some pretty good painkillers, right? Like they prescribe you something quite good. Yeah, yeah, they they, they give you that good, good. (laughs) They give you that good, good. So because I was on that good, good when I got home, I didn't really know right away that my wrist was also broken. The pain meds were really masking the pain I was having all over, but also in my wrist. So it was a few weeks later that we really actually, you know, got my wrist taken care of and had medical attention there and got a cast and everything. So that's kind of funny. Like, yeah, like even medical professionals are only concerned with your core and keeping you alive and a broken wrist. I don't care about that. That's that's nothing. Yeah. Literally, basically, like if you brought your computer in, it's like, hey, make sure the hard drive is OK. I don't care about the keys. I'm not concerned that one of those keys isn't really functioning right now. Let's focus on the hard drive. Exactly. Well, you know, all the rest of the stuff we'll figure out. Hey, I can't use P. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's broken. Let me fix that now. That's amazing. OK, so cognitively, when did you feel that you started to come back? Because, you know, speaking the language, <laughs> actually understanding, processing. Did you have trouble for like a long period of time or was it kind of a quick hit? So I would say things like my speech and walking and stuff like that came back fairly quickly while I was still in the hospital. Those few days I was there um, after waking up. Yeah, that sort of thing came back quite quickly. But but obviously, cognitively, I was really impaired for a very long time. Sort of feeling like myself again. I didn't feel like myself again for years, if I'm completely honest. I mean, it's been seven years now. and. I only think I'm starting to feel like myself in the last few years. And I think for the first few years of having my injury, I really describe it as being a shell of a human. I I really was not myself at all. I was really a shell. And that was really the worst, the worst of it. That was the hardest time when I didn't feel like myself at all. And Everything felt very confusing. Right. Well, you didn't know who you were. So basically you're being reborn. And if you don't if you don't have somebody to kind of guide you through that, it is so lonely. It's so So isolating and it is it's almost it's painful, not just physically, emotionally. It's so painful just to be like, okay, I went through this horrific trauma and I'm here. Mm -hmm. Why? I made it here so I can feel this way. Like, it's horrible. Um, Were you able to connect with other brain injury survivors? No. And uh, honestly, honestly, this last year is the first time I'm really connecting with other brain injury survivors. It is amazing. And I, I don't know. I feel like when it when it happened in 2015, I feel like I was looking for a community and maybe it didn't really exist then. Uh, and uh, it's like, I gave up hope. I stopped looking. I stopped looking for other people to connect with because it felt like I couldn't find them and they weren't out there and they didn't want to connect with me anyway. Oh, that hurts my heart so much. Yeah. Like I'm heartbroken because I understand the feeling. I I've said this a lot on the podcast. My first year of recovery was the most isolated I felt in my life. Yeah. And I've had, I had people around. I had my significant other was at my side every single moment I had friends I had a very small family you know um, but like all my friends were there so many but nobody understood what I was going through so I felt alone even with all these people around it wasn't until I met the co-host of this podcast uh, at a party 
And we started talking and I was like, wait, wait a minute. One thing that's really helped me through my recovery is having the right tools. I wanted to share what I've learned with others who are on their own brain injury recovery journey. So I created a free guide. In my free guide, nine must-have tools for stroke and brain injury recovery. I cover tools to help with occupational and physical therapy, mindset, overstimulation, and more. If you're looking for ways to improve your brain injury recovery, be sure to check out my guide. You can download your copy at usorock.coach forward slash guide. The links are also available in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I hope this guide helps you with your brain injury recovery. There's another one. So mm-hmm. it was that was a year and a half, maybe whenever it was after my my brain injury. That was the first day that I was like, I'm going to be able to do this, like recover, like I'm going to be able to do this before I felt like I existed. I felt in that moment I was going to be able to live, which was just incredible. Wow. She felt the same way. She went through the first year or so of her recovery after um, her concussion alone. Nobody understood. So we kind of made it a point. We have to create this podcast. We have to connect and reach out to others because we don't want anybody to ever go through and feel the things that we did. I am so sorry that you did. I really wish you would have found us a few years ago. Me too. Because, yeah. You know, I, I really, I, I hate the fact that you're just kind of finding community now. I do love the fact that you found the community. So within this last year, when you're starting to connect with other brain injury survivors, how's that changed? How's that changed the way that you function and, and I don't know, live life? Wow. Yeah, I feel a lot more connected. I feel a lot less alone than I did before. The encouragement is amazing. Like you're saying, like when you met your co-host, it sounds like that that hope that it gave you that you didn't have before was everything. And yeah, I feel that too, talking to other brain injury survivors that um, there's really hope no matter what you're going through, no matter what you think is going to happen or what you think the future holds for you. There really is hope, especially in talking to to people that have experienced the same thing. Yeah. Always hope is everything you have. Hope you have everything that you need. One thing about us in the community, first off, every, for the most part, everybody is kind and everybody is, it's strange because we all need help. We all need help, Mm -hmm. but we all want to help other people. You know, like we'll go out of our way, even though we're struggling and we need some we want to make sure other people are OK. That's what I love about this community as a few angry people. I say everybody's perfect. There's some angry people who are stuck and they're just not there yet on their journey when they're when they're there. We're here <laughs> in the meantime. Eh, you Go hang out over there. We kind of speak the same language. That's what I love about the community. You know, mm-hmm. like we can say things like, <laughs> man, this neuro fatigue is killing me today. And we don't have to worry about the other side saying, oh, I know what that feels like. Because we like genuinely knows what it know what it feels like, as opposed to I went to the gym and then I had eight hours at work and did overtime, picked up the kids and I'm exhausted. It's like, yeah, I I, I woke up. That's- exhausted. <laughs> That's- and I'm exhausted from what I did three days ago. And I'm going to be exhausted for three more days. And uh, yeah, you're so right uh, about that. I, I do like talking about this that um it's quite frustrating when someone that doesn't have a mental disability like we have uh sort of relates to our symptoms and in relating to our symptoms they sort of erase our real symptom they diminish it they they totally diminish it and that's something um i've sort of in the past had a hard time communicating and wrapping my mind around and really (laughs) explaining to other people, but I think we just did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that the the best thing that we can do. Okay. So there are people who just won't ever understand. And I think, you know, those people most definitely we all do. Right. (laughs) So I, I call anybody without a brain injury. I call them normies. Mm -hmm. There's normies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have brain injury. So most normies are, and I don't say this disrespectfully. I say this respectfully. Most normies are just ignorant of the things that we go through. I'm not saying ignorant, like you're ignorant. I'm saying they completely don't understand because they can't, right? There's not a lot of information out there. There's not a lot of people like us who talk about this stuff. So they genuinely don't know. Most people, they're not trying to be rude. They're not trying to be disrespectful. They're trying to connect, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So they want to have a conversation on the same level. Mm -hmm. It makes people uncomfortable that they in no way, shape or form can understand and connect with what we go through on a day to day basis it makes them uncomfortable. So they try to like compare. There's no comparison. So for those normies out there, try to compare. Please don't. If you do understand, 
there's no comparison. And if you continue to com- compare, we make fun of you behind your back. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah. I, I, I talk to my partner about all my friends who, who do that weird comparison thing and they really don't understand. And it really hurts my feelings um, because, yeah, it's, it's diminishing the reality that I'm going through. Do you express that to your friends? Do you explain to them, hey, you know, when you do this, that sucks. Can you please not do that? Or is it just one of those things that's like, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to get into? No, I really try to as much as possible. Um, but but there are some people we know in our lives that trying to explain it, we know, doesn't really do much. Right. And with those people, yeah, I try and, you know, just let it sort of slide off me. I got rid of those people. I don't deal with that shit anymore. So here, here's the thing. Post brain, like before the brain injury, I don't really give a lot of fucks. Now it's astounding how little fucks I give. Like, yeah. I just don't care. It's like, what really matters? What really matters? Like, I think you and I both know what it's like to be in a hospital bed mm-hmm. to not really know kind of what happened, what to do, how to use my body, how to function. I kind of learn how to think again, walk again, be functional. Mm-hmm. It, like that is some, that's some deep stuff, yeah. right? Why am I going to deal with any of this other dumb bullshit? I already went through the worst. Like I want to enjoy life and be around people that make me feel good. So what I did is I removed a lot of those people from my life. I just, you know, I want to spend my time, which we both know is very precious mm-hmm. with people who deserve it and matter. So if you don't deserve it, no matter, you got to go. I just don't have that energy to give to you. We it's all have, true. I think, especially after a brain injury, a certain amount of mental bandwidth, right? Most definitely. Why do we want to waste it on people that don't deserve it? It doesn't you know? make sense. You're right. Yeah. I don't need to be hating on your friends. No, <laughs> so, so, sometimes there's just a situation and just a person where it's not worth it. It's not worth it to yeah. get to get into that deep conversation. It's not worth it to try and explain something to them that they ultimately won't get and not and, get. and that they, you know, they won't change their behavior. Well, you, you, you know what it is? You'll know, you know exactly who your friends are, right? That there are now there are certain friends who are now just acquaintances. There are certain that, people that you just, I just see them at parties from them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I I think is so. What's really sad is after a brain injury, you lose a lot of people. You do. There are friends, family, coworkers. You know, a lot just acquaintances. You you lose a lot of people. Your circle gets smaller. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. That's okay. We all grow, right? Unfortunately, most of the time we grow apart, but we all grow. Mm -hmm. We meet new people. Mm -hmm. The people that I've lost, it sucks and it hurts. It will hurt forever. Mm -hmm. But the people that I have, not that they're replaceable, but the people who have come into my life afterwards, have they're the greatest people that I've ever known in life. So as sad as it is sometimes that like, man, I really wish that person was still in my life, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, but they're not. Look at who's in your life right now. Those are going to be the people who are going to be by your side the rest of it, you know, especially like after they've seen us at our lowest. Right? Oh, yeah. They know they, they they know it's like your um significant other. Were you was that the one that you were in the car with? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And we're actually high school sweethearts and um, oh, that's still adorable. together. We live together. Um, yeah. So, for instance, him, I mean, he's been with me through this whole thing, through this awful awful long journey Uh, that's the positive right like i know he's really in it with me like there's there's nothing that's going to pull us apart the worst has happened sickness has happened in our relationship and he stayed around you know yeah you know so my significant the same thing like i was in the hospital i could have woken up and she could have been gone i wouldn't have known anything because i wasn't there yet yeah so now anytime i say something that pisses her off or is really inappropriate joke at a party or something like that. And she gets mad. Well, you can't be mad at me. You chose this. <laughs> you, you can do the same thing. You can tell your dude and be like, look, you can't be mad at me. You chose this. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Did your um, relationship suffer it during your recovery? Or do you think it brought you? I, obviously, it brought you, I think, close, closer together now. But during that like odd transitionary period from like hospital to human being, did your relationship suffer? Well, I mean, it's a very, very hard transition uh, just for the survivor, right? And then sort of right. bringing in other relationships into that. Uh, yeah, uh, those relationships uh, can suffer too. And uh, that was, yeah, there's stuff we needed to work on. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll go all the way back to the beginning when I had multiple doctors tell me, 
you know, someone with your kind of injury, it's very typical for their partner to leave them um, and don't, uh, you know, ex expect that your partner might leave you. Two doctors told me that. Can, can you imagine? I, what, I don't what know. hospital did you go to? What kind of bedside? Now, here's the thing. So I do. I do understand. Here's like the, the sad, harsh reality. That's very true. It really is. It's a very, it's, very harsh, sad reality. It's not something you tell. Look, look th this is okay. I have so many issues. <laughs> so there's a lot of doctors that will tell survivors that have issues with one side of their body. Right. That if you don't gain functionality within the first year, that's it. Right. Which is a bold faced lie. They're playing the percentages. Percentages say, well, you know, more often than not, you don't see it. But there's still this massive percentage of people that can gain their full functionality back after a year. You're stealing hope from someone in a very vulnerable state. It's awful. With you, before you even got to spend any time with your partner, they're telling you, well, he might not be. <laughs> he might not stick around. They're stealing hope and putting fear in a very vulnerable person who is full of fear. I just think that is the worst. Oh, my God. What hospital? Are you going? <laughs> What's going on in Canada? Jesus. Seriously, free health care, but kind of not great. I don't know. You, you get free health care. It's just not very good. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. Most definitely. Oh, man. You know, I'm glad that you have a sense of humor about it. I do. Like, I, I really do. Uh -huh. I I think joking about these horrific things, I honestly think it takes a lot of the power away from it. It really it does. does. We, we came back to, I think, enjoy our second chance of life. You know, we, we're not making light. Well, at least I'm not making light of these horrible, horrible things that happened to us. Like we legitimately almost died. Yeah. Like we could not be here. Yeah. I'm making light of it because I can, because it makes me feel better. It helps me process what happens to me, the trauma, you know, and it's taken the power away from it. So me too. and also we, we made it back to smile more than we frown. So. I, and that's what that's what I choose to do. I choose to make fun of strange Canadian doctors that try to steal hope away from Canadian victims. This is horrible. I'm so mad at this. System. Seriously, it was a big blow. And you're so right. Uh, like I was already feeling really vulnerable. I was already feeling very confused. Uh, and yeah, to have professionals tell me expect your partner is just going to leave you because uh, you're uh, the R word now, like you're, you're dumb now. So you can't, you can't, you can't live on your own. Your partner's just going to leave you like, come on. I, that really, that destroys me. Can I say it's funny? That's literally like, like right after somebody gets married saying, well, you know, more than 50% of marriages don't last. <laughs> so don't get used to this. It's like the, you would never do that. So why would somebody say that to a survivor? Exactly. Good or your Lord. family just bashing on marriage, like, okay, well, have a fun 30 years of no sex or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Just because you have a trash marriage doesn't mean my marriage is going to be trash. Exactly. Look, it just like uh, every brain injury is is different, right? Like like uh, uh, fingerprints and snowflakes. We're all individuals. So just because some people it didn't work out for them, it's, it can absolutely work out for the person that you're speaking to. We're not all the same. Exactly. We're all all different. We have a, a, our own path. The one thing you can't take away from us is hope. And I think sometimes people go out of their way to remove hope from the, the, the situation. As, I'm, I'm just I'll take a breath. You know, I'm new hippie meditate every day, Joe. Yeah, that, that's just it's it's just infuriating. I am very thankful that um your your dude stuck it out. I'm very thankful that my significant other stuck it out with me. You know, like it's, it's incredible. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but I'm so thankful. I'm not going to even question it. I'm just going to accept it. Um, me did you have a solid family support in, in the situation, family and friends? Or was it just kind of like transitionary? Um, yeah, okay. For my family, I feel like I got so much support from my parents. I feel like I really didn't know the amount uh, or sort of quality of love my parents had for me. I, I really felt like that was kind of lacking, and I felt like our relationship was diminishing at the time. And And then this injury happened, and then they came right back into my life and did all they could do to help me and support me for so long. 
really, which is just amazing. Uh, so for instance, you know, I don't know, my mom was taking me to all kinds of doctor's appointments, uh, being really involved, helping me, I don't know, g- get lawyers because mm-hmm. I wasn't the, the driver of the accident I was in. So yeah. I sort of had to lawyer up. And when you're healing from the brain injury, that's the last thing you want to do. It's really, yes. really the last thing you want to do. But for some people in their scenario, it's really necessary. So Oh my gosh, she helped me with that so much. And my dad, um, so the interesting story with my dad is that he was sort of curling with some friends he has that, that enjoy doing that with him. And they were talking about one of them had a wife who had recently sustained a brain injury from horseback riding, I think. And she was trying this sort of new up and coming therapy, neurofeedback. I don't know if you've heard about it before. I have. And uh, she she sort of claimed crazy things about neurofeedback, like mm-hmm. g- instantly gets rid of anxiety, depression, all kinds of all kinds of things that you might have from a TBI or brain injury. I thought it really sounded too good to be true. I thought maybe it was some kind of scam, honestly. But my dad really wanted me to try it out. And I was really desperate at that time for anything, for any kind of relief from the awful symptoms I was having. So I gave it a go. And that's how I met my therapist. Um, It was her clinic that I went to to get neurofeedback done. And she took me on as a a talk therapy client as well. Wow, neurofeedback is such a great therapy. At least it has been such an awesome therapy for me and for my symptoms. And I only see it gaining more popularity and expanding, at least here in Canada. Mm -hmm. The clinics are really, really expanding, popping up all over. And like, for instance, how much it's grown over the last seven years I've been doing it my my OT, my occupational therapist, when I first started doing it, I talked to her about it and I was like, have you heard about this kind of therapy before? I don't know. Can I get it covered? Like, I'm thinking about this therapy. And she was like, well, I basically don't know anything about it. And if you want to try this weird new therapy, sure you can. We're not going to cover it for you. But okay, tell me how it goes. And I did it. And I kept recommending it back to her for years and years. And guess who's recommending it for her new clients now? My old OT. Yeah, that's that's amazing. See, look, you're on the ground floor of something that could actually really help people, which is great. I'll actually throw in some um, we'll throw in some information and some links in the show notes about neurofeedback therapy. Um, I I think that's great. I also love that that you were like, you know, it, it worked for you. I you what drives me crazy is because I mentioned earlier each brain injury. No matter what it is, stroke, ischemic, hemorrhagic, uh, severe concussion, mild concussion, every single one is different. So every single one. What worked for you might not work for me. This isn't, you know, like a Swiss Army knife thing. It doesn't like cover everything. So I'm really happy that you said that because some people are like, hey, (laughs) as brain injuries, I'm sure you've gotten this too. Oh, you're having issues. Have you tried keto? Mm -hmm. (laughs) People refer some strength. Have you tried green tea? I'm like, wait, what? I don't understand. Is mm-hmm. that that? And then my brain is fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just think that's funny. So, yeah, th- these are the things we refer things that have worked for us with the hopes that it might work for you. It's something to try. And if it doesn't work yeah. for you, move on to the next thing. That's what I think. And I really treated it like that, too. For me, yeah. I, I was totally not convinced of it. I just went mm-hmm. because I was looking for anything. And I don't know. I, I had an open mind, right? And it, it just so happened that it's a great therapy for me. And it really, it really does wonders. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after stroke? Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash the neuronerds. If you haven't heard of Modus Nova, they make devices to help folks with a brain injury like stroke regain the use of their affected limbs. For example, the Modus Hand is an AI-powered robotic exoskeleton that helps users do exercises and play games, similar to the way an occupational or a physical therapist might manipulate the limb. It helps survivors get into thousands of repetitions they need to form new neural pathways. It can assist with hand movements or resist them to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash the neuronerds to learn more. 
use special code the NeuroNerds when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Just visit modusnova.com slash the NeuroNerds to get started. It was meant to be. It was. It, it was written in the stars. You know that it, uh, it all worked out the way um, that that it was supposed to. I'm I'm so thankful for that. So I, I asked this of a lot of survivors, and you know it's it varying responses. If so, after your brain injury, this is like your new second chance of life, right? You're reborn. This is mm-hmm. the you. You know, every year is a rebirth day. It's it a, it's a it's a it's a life day, right? Mm-hmm. Brain injury anniversary. Time to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um. If you had an opportunity just to, obviously, none of us want a brain injury, but if you had an opportunity to, like, I just never want to experience any of that and I want my life to be completely different, is that what you would take? Or would, are you happy with the person that you've turned out after your brain injury? Yeah, I've sort of been asked a similar question before. And I think my response is that uh, I can't actually really envision a different life. We could sort of play pretend and I can go, yeah, the life I thought I had, I don't know, when I was 23 before my injury was going to be like this and it turned out completely different, right? right. No, I, I, I can't really imagine that life. I, I think I would have put myself in a career I ultimately really didn't like and was doing for other people and for acceptance and I would have got burnt out and it would have felt like a failure stepping away from that career and doing something else. And no, I don't know. I I can't really envision that life. Life throws you hardballs and man, this was a hardball and you just make the best of it, I guess. Yeah. There's nothing that you've dealt with your entire life that you haven't gotten past that moment. And we've all had them us a little bit more so than other people where it's like, I I don't think I can do this. You did it. Uh You did it. You know, oh, this is never going to end. It ended. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. there's some ongoing things sometimes. But look, we 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 can do hard things as a people, as brain injury survivors. We can do hard. We do hard things every single day of our lives, you know, and we look life is what you make of it. You and I right now. Right now, this podcast could have been mm-hmm. completely different. Mm-hmm. It could have been there could have been tears. There could have been yelling. We could fixate and focus on everything our brain injuries have taken away from us. The hardships, the the loss, the trauma. Like we could really just fixate and focus on that. Yeah. But I think what w- what's that accomplishing? Like what is that doing? What did we make it back to fixate and focus on these really horrible things? To stay in so. that low state? No, I think you're right. I think we really deserve to spend every day having fun and finding joy and looking to the positive. And some days it's really, really hard to do that. We find those ways. We find those yeah. ways of staying positive. This is what's great about the community. You know, days that are hard, we talk to each other and we pull each other up. You know, like we we never let anybody stay down too long. And I love what you just said. We deserve this. We deserve to be happy. We deserve every single one of us. You know, it doesn't matter who you were. It's who you are right here, right Mm -hmm. now. We could change the trajectory of our lives at any moment, you know, and I choose to move forward and I choose to do it with a big, dumb, goofy smile on my face and have fun (laughs) and and literally live life. Just live life that, you know, to, to its fullest, to its best. No, just live life. Live your best life. Um, and I, I, I yeah, we, we, we deserve all the happiness in the world. And speaking of happy, we are the neuro nerds over here. And what makes me happy in my nerdy life is mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I'm a huge Marvel nerd. I'm a huge video game nerd, music nerd. So I ask you, Cynthia, what is your nerdum? My nerddom, I am a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer nerd. <clears throat> a huge one. I love the comic books. Obviously love the television show. I can't get enough of it. That yeah. makes me so happy. I want to tell Felice loves Buffy. He loves Buffy. Oh, nice. I may or may not be in an episode of like the 90s Buffy. Are you? Are in you the background. Me? No, I, I really don't know. I possibly could be. I was on the set with a friend of mine and <laughs> I just had this, I had this folder. I didn't realize I was in a take. Oh my so God. I was just talking and, and they were like, all right, and action. And everybody started to walk. So I was like, uh, and I just started to walk in the crowd. So there's a possibility that like, I'm, I don't know exactly which episode, but it's in a mall 
and there's like a big group of people. And apparently I might be in one of those, those episodes. So I just think that's number one <laughs> My on my next rewatch, which is every October, by the way, rewatch every October. Yeah. What? 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 Okay. So you're a horror fan. Yeah. Okay, every October, me and Felice, for years now, since we've been dating, we call it Shocktober, and we'll watch a horror movie every single night. Oh my god, October. amazing! I love that. That makes me happy. My partner that, that... doesn't really like horror, man. I wish the I wish we had something like that. But you, you look him dead. You look at him dead in his eyes, and you say, "I almost died." <laughs> You're gonna watch this horrific movie with me. <laughs> During the pandemic, when we were in lockdown, he watched all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with me. Amazing, amazing. No, the old ones. Okay, well, the old ones, you know, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a preference between the movie and the TV show? Um, I mean, yeah, Sir Michelle Gellar, like, I I like the TV show. But, I mean, the movie, I like the movie, too. All of it. The The whole thing. Everything about Buffy is, is I, mean, I, I like that. I think it's pretty cool. I actually, look, we're, we're kin. We're yeah. kin. I, I, I love that, that you have that, that, that horror nerd about you love Buffy. Felice is going to love that. I'm, that makes me so very happy. I'm going to be so, looking for you on my next rewatch. I'm going to be yeah. looking for you. And like, I'm, I'm kind then. of fangirling right now. Like I had, I had hair back then. <laughs> so, oh yeah, my God. It was okay. weird. It's weird. I look at old pictures of myself. I was like, I didn't deserve hair. I didn't even know what to do with it. I just like a douchebag. It's Curly awful. hair, straight hair. It's awful hair. Wavy <laughs> at best, I guess. It was weird. Okay. I had a ponytail at one point. Okay, like, long hair. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like like here. Like here. And it would flip up on the court like a Cupid doll. Oh, it was weird. It was um, the 90s, so yeah. It was. It was. There were some strange decisions that I made with hair and facial hair in the 90s. I'm not proud of them, but you're, at the time, it was like, I think I'm killing it. I, I wasn't. You're I not wasn't. the only one. You're not the only one who had a goofy do. <laughs> Yeah, if you look at like Mark McGrath, I'm like back in the day, it's like, oh man, I think I want a, a French. What is it? The the uh, the tips. Oh yeah, yeah, the frosted tips or whatever. I like frosted tips. Yeah. Nobody should ever have frosted tips, but that was like a thing. Or shave everything and just leave a little chin mustache. Yes, that you know, was like the Amish thing. Oh, it's just weird. It was nineties were a strange time. It's a great time. It's a very strange time. It's my, my, my favorite decade ever. But I, I, I love that. That I, I love your nerdum. I love that you love horror. Mm-hmm. I love that you have such a positive attitude after something that could really dampen your spark. You know, like it's something that can really you can go dark and it's really easy to go dark. What you do and what you continue to do, and what you have done, you deserve a lot of respect and a lot of like, you know, a lot. Thank you. A lot of that applause because it takes so much effort. People just look at you and be like, yeah, but no, there's no yeah, but you put this effort in. That's what it is. You're making the choice to rise higher than the the depression, than the anxiety, than the pain. You know, that, I love that. That's why we get along. It's so much of us. And it, you're so right. It is so noble. It's so amazing. And look, we are we're now family. Yes. <laughs> Even though you found this community later on, there are so many of us. Actually, I have several in Crazy Canadia, <laughs> Crazy Canadians that I can connect you with if you would like. I would love. Yeah. And there's love actually a group called Life After Stroke, which they do not just stroke, but brain injuries. And there's several people in there. They're just all amazing people are all crazy Canadians. That would be great. Um, and they say A, which I think is funny. Do you say A? Do you of say course a? I do, A. <laughs> do you eat Tim Hortons? Of course. Hey, yeah, Timbits. The donut is, holes, but they're called Timbits. Yeah, those are good. Hey, hey, they're, they're called Munchkins, and they're from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that's that's the American version of that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I loved connecting with you. Thank you for being so open and honest. If any of the people wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that? Yeah, on Instagram, I would say my main account is Cynthia0RAR. That's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-0 R-A-W-R. And I also have a baking uh, Instagram account. Uh, another one of my hobbies is baking. I used to work in a bakery. And um, yeah, now I just do it as a hobby. And yeah, if, I don't, if anyone is looking for yummy baking things, they can find me on Instagram at sunshine underscore cakes dot baking. Damn right. I actually have another crazy Canadian friend. Another because you're now in this category of crazy Canadian yes. friends um, who also uh, bakes and she takes like her baking things to like uh, local farmers markets. Have I would love to be able to do that. I sometime. will connect you with my friend, Queen Kate. Kate, if you're listening, you're amazing. 
Um, and yeah, she, so yeah. I, oh, I, I, so one of my biggest like joys in life and it's my purpose. I feel it's why I made it back is to connect other survivors with one another to build That's community amazing. one survivor at a time. So I'll connect you guys. And I think it would be great if you guys did like a farmer's market thing. Anyways, I would love that. <laughs> Joe, you are so good at doing that. You are so good at connecting people. You are so good at giving people hope. Uh, you are so good at reaching so many people. I just, yeah, I want to say thank you. So it, it, look, I, it's been a strange July. Because my stroke anniversary is coming up a few days from now. Right. My birthday was at the beginning of the month. You literally legitimately almost made me cry right now. Stop that. <laughs> it's it's a it's I'm a cancer. So clearly I cry at commercials. I cry every day of my <laughs> life. You can't say nice things to me. First of all, I want to cry. Secondly, I'm very arrogant already. I don't need a bigger head. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we really, really appreciate you. Everyone in the community, I know, really, really appreciates oh, you. Oh, th- thank you for that. I, I, that really, truly, honestly means everything to me. I would, I joke, but it's not joking. If it meant helping another survivor, I would run through a brick wall for for anybody. Like I just, I, I love our community so much. It means everything to me. And the fact that you are now a, a late bloomer and late to this cool kids club. Yes. I think it's awful that you went so long without this, but I'm so happy that you're here now. And so now that you're in this cool, cool kids club, mm-hmm. this is what life can be. You know what I mean? Like just surrounded by so many others who know exactly what it's what you're going through, what you've gone through. And they also know like little tips and tricks like it's just it's just the coolest thing in the world. I'm so happy that you're part of this. Uh, um, my extended family now. I'm so thankful to you. All of your links will be in the show notes. If you guys want some de- delicious treats, which you should. I mean, <laughs> come on. Definitely a, a, a reach out, reach out, connect, say hi, share some tips and tricks, ask questions. That's what we should be doing as a community. I feel like I'm on a soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this has been great to get to know you. I, I'm really thankful that you're here. I, I'm so happy that we connected. And this has just been great. At some point, you have to come on again and we'll um, di- dive deeper into some nerdum and mm-hmm. we'll dive deeper into, um, you know, uh, some other questions that I didn't get to uh, today. But th- th- this has been great. I'm just so happy. Like, I, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm waving an invisible uh, Canadian flag right now. And I'm jealous that you get Tim Hortons because I don't think we have. Do we have it down here? I don't think we have it down here. I don't know. I don't think so. But I will find some ketchup chips today. Oh, and eat they're them. really good ketchup chips. Yeah, yeah I, I'll eat them in, in honor of you today. So, Cynthia, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Everybody out there, smile more than you frown. Life is beautiful. Reach out to another survivor. Connect because together is the only way we're going to get through this wild ride through recovery. Don't don't ever forget the neuro nerds. We are always here to help. Hope. Once you have hope. You have everything that you need. And on that very hopeful note, this neuro nerd is out. Boom. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was great. It was, seriously, it was great to, to get to know you. I sincerely love your energy. I love the attitude. I love like you, you just hey survivors, caregivers, and nerds of all kinds. We are so grateful for each and every one of you who have taken the time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes our day. Not only do we read every single one, but we love reading them on our episodes. So if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us spread the word about the show. And when you do, just let us know by tagging at the NeuroNerds on Twitter. We might even read your review on our next episode. Now here's a review from Gigi in SC. Awesome. As an 18-month ischemic brainstem stroke survivor, this episode feels like a lifesaver. To feel such connection and hearing so many of my feelings spoken out loud, thank you. Thank you, Gigi, for your kind words. We're so glad our podcast is helpful to you. And thank you all for being part of the NeuroNerds community and joining us on this journey of brain injury recovery and nerd culture awesomeness. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.